0: Oh, I hate when this happens. Good morning, and welcome to the Weekly Roundtable. C-SPAN here, Um, and we got an OG on the podcast today. So when I say OG, uh, two guys started F3, and this is one of the co-founders. This is OBT, and so OBT Who eh'd you and how long you've been doing F three? But I guess you need to start even before that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Hey, C span, good good to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Um, So I my eh was actually from a guy named uh, Chuck Thompson, who I worked with at uh, um, at an investment bank here in Charlotte. He was a banker, and I was uh, a PR guy, basically who played a banker. but Chuck was a, a colleague of mine, and uh, he got me to start coming out in uh, the summer of 2008 to a workout that was going on at Freedom Park here in Charlotte that was led guy, by a guy named Jeff Gillabo, and was basically a bunch of guys getting together for an hour on Saturday morning and uh, using the, the park terrain and park equipment to try to get a, a good workout. So um, that, was, uh, that was my EH, and that was kind of the beginning of uh, – of the journey to F3, because the original F3 workout was a was really intended as a spin out from that workout.
0: Yeah, and I guess maybe um, for the guys who are new to F3, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, when you and Dread, yeah, um, I, mean, I guess at that point he was Dave. It's still at that point or Dread um, when you guys decided to split off. Can you can you talk a little bit about what you were thinking or what because um, I know you. You're a really smart guy, but I know you didn't expect this to happen. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, those, are, you know, that are the initial decision and where you guys kind of thought it would go from there?
1: Yeah. So uh, the the quick story, and and obviously, you know, not not to plug the book, but if you want the full story, it's in it's in free to lead, which is available on Amazon and and uh and from a uh an F3 Gear store near you, but. Um, the, the quick story is, uh, you know, that that group, which was called the Campos, um, you know, you had about kind of when I got there about twelve or thirteen guys who were coming out regularly on Saturday mornings and doing this workout. And uh, there's this sort of natural phenomenon that happens. You start going out, um, and th- this is absolutely true of F3. You start going out, and you start. You're at the back of the pack, and you want to keep up with the guys in front of you. You want to be in the middle of the pack, and so. You work hard, and, and you, you maybe you start doing workouts during the week to try to get in shape for the workout you're going to do on the weekend, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, in, you're getting in better shape, you're losing weight, all that stuff, and, and people come up to you, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, you look great. What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm, you know, doing this workout on Saturday mornings. You ought to come out because, you know, it's free and just a group of guys, so it's not like trying to get a guy to join a gym with you. And so that group sort of naturally grew and, and I didn't headlock Dave because I didn't know Dave back then, but um Dredd got headlocked by a guy named Martin Godwin, who was also a member of the group, and Dredd showed up about a year after I did. And it was just, you know, very similar in format to F three in terms of a different guy led every week. And after you'd been coming out for about six or seven weeks, Jeff Gillibo, the guy who started it, would turn to you and say, Hey, why don't you lead a workout? And that was the other thing that was really kind of attractive and amazing about this, because, you know, once you're asked to lead that first time, it's a chance to kind of do things you want to do, maybe do things a little bit differently, maybe, you know, show something different off or beat guys down in a different way. And once you've done that and had that experience, now you've got kind of this equity ownership in, in the workout in a way. You, you, you're, it, you've got a piece of ownership now. And so Dave came in. Dave, with the military background um, and having been a ranger, um, brought this whole other element of kind of how you lead PT effectively, and and that's, you know, that carries forward into kind of the way we call exercise. And uh, and the first time he led, I I remember saying to to Chuck, I saw him at at work on Monday afterwards, I was like, wow, that changes everything. (laughs) It's just kind of uh, just a whole different way of doing it, a little bit more intensity and and focus. And... um, Dave and I became friends, and that that workout, as it grew and through that natural process of more and more guys getting invited in, got bigger than Jeff wanted it to be. Um, and in 2010, there was a lot of back and forth about you know kind of capping the workout or how many people were going to be allowed there or what you might have to do to get into membership. And that was the point at which Dave and I, you know, we were having lunch. By then, we were talking about this a lot and just kind of looked at each other and said we got to go start another one because ultimately, and this is where people come up to me all the time. Like You came up to me last Friday at the 10 year anniversary workout that we had here in Charlotte. And, oh, did you ever think it would become this? And it's like, there's this element of no, I, you know, I didn't know it would work out in exactly this way, but the vision from day one was really, we got to get this thing in front of more guys and as many guys as we possibly can. And that's, you know, it's worked out that way, which is really cool. But like, in that sense, like that part doesn't because I saw what he had done in Dave's and my lives, and, you know, just kind of felt like, man, this is, is going to work for other guys." So um, that initial impetus to go plant that workout at AG on 111 was really um, intended to be uh, another, uh, another Campos franchise. I think we called it Campos AG initially, um, and, uh, and immediately had those 34 guys out there on day one. And it just kind of went from there. And it quickly became clear that we were going to be much more ambitious and mission driven about expanding it and, and getting it in front of more guys. And that that wasn't something that the, that the campus guys were interested in participating in. So after about six months, we, we kind of had a split where it became its own thing. And we came up with the F3 name. And, and it kind of went from there. But that's, that's your origin story in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, and I um, i guess this is where we we transition a little bit about. Um, you know, I know the last couple of years you kind of stepped back, and I, I think maybe we need to k- just catch the podcast uh, crew up on kind of that. Those first years, because uh, you and Dave, or you and Dred did basically everything. You had AP, uh, who was just really an IT guy, and you had um, Crotch Rocket, who – you know, we, he's like everybody called him a Q expansion, all these other things, but really at what I, I still think he was the best at, it he was a really good connector. He found guys, figured out what they were good at, and connected them with the part of the organization that needed that help. You know what I'm saying? It was Yeah. I feel like I feel like that was his D two X. Um, so getting to the beginning, you got the first workout, and then the next thing you know it's uh, similar to what you guys you know, the basically you guys started the recipe it's working all of a sudden you're in lake norman you're in fort mill you're in south charlotte you're going like crazy and um i think if you can catch the guys up a little bit on what it felt like because um you and dread had such interesting roles in the beginning where um, maybe dread was setting the direction but you were the guy that was making sure that the sales were set in the right direction and you had a <laughs> you had a clear path and a, and a vision to get um, all that detail work done. Maybe you can kind of help the FODFACsers kind of understand what those first years, uh, maybe some lessons learned, anything you want to share from that time. Because I, I to me that um, brilliant idea, um, but, yeah, all that detail work to get those first couple of years started um, and then trying to engage all these different groups of guys to help, um, you know, kind of keep that vision and that um, – the end goal, where we're at now, right, or where we're continuing to uh, strive for, it was really built in those first few years. So maybe you can share some stuff, uh, kind of in that segment, because, uh, like, I would like to say that it was somebody else doing a lot of that work, but it was really you were the one, um, you know, really focused on that. So maybe share some stuff from that time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and there were, I mean, look, th- th- this is this is why we preach shared leadership the way we do because you know we've kind of lived it i mean dave had spent um I think probably 10 years prior to stumbling on, on the campus and then, and then F3, trying to build impactful groups of men, and it was in various settings. It was you know within the Episcopal Church where he and I both went, but actually didn't know each other. It was um, at, uh, through some ministry to the homeless. Um, you know, so sort of all these different uh, ways that he was, he was reaching out and almost trying to kind of recreate what he'd seen in the Army um, in terms of kind of leadership and, and getting people motivated toward a goal. And, and meanwhile, you've got me, and I'm, I was on my own path, and I had, I'd had i actually been involved in, in several different efforts, again, trying to, one of them through the church, another one, uh, a more civic one, involving trying to start a school and not uh, not particularly having a whole lot of success. And all of a sudden, we come together and we're directed toward the same vision because we both have the same experience and we both, no, not 100% eye to eye on every single thing. I, that's, you know, that's part of the whole dynamic with him and me. But um, we share that vision of, man, we want to get this thing. This thing is amazing, and we want to figure out a way to get it one of as many guys as possible. And then you've got that ability, and this is where I think a little bit of maturity on his part, on my part, and on Jimmy and and Jason's part as well, Crossrocket and AP, as as they came alongside and really emerged as, as leaders, is nobody. You can't do this by yourself. Dave Dave could not have done this by himself. I could not have done it by myself. Um, we couldn't have gotten to where we got within the first say four or five years without Jason and without Jimmy's you know connection and so forth and 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 you know ability to pull people into the effort. And so everybody kind of figures out and takes their own role and and to your point earlier you try to get guys operating within their dolphin and what they're really good at so dave is a really good front man for the organization he's got that magnetic charismatic personality guys want to follow him guys want to listen to him um i'm you know i don't have that same personality i'm I'm fairly introverted. I've gotten better at public speaking over the last 10 years by necessity. Um, I, I'm, I'm good in a one-on-one or a small group situation generally, um, but but that you know, but my skill is really what you you described as kind of setting the sails or you know making the trains run on time or however you want to. You know, we we used to call the role the weasel shaker. Like, and and the idea being this is Dave's uh, formulation, of course that. Um, guys were going to say they would do things for us to help us grow the organization, and then they would try to weasel out of them because, and, uh, and, you know, they get busy or, or whatever, and it was my job to grab them and shake them and make them do what they committed to do. So um, that was sort of the origin of, of that term. And, um, you know, that ability to work together and to really draw on everyone's strengths and use each other to you know mask your weaknesses or just you know to handle the things that maybe you're not so strong at that can make for a really powerful organization and you see that model to this day carried forward um in f3 groups and we had to learn that this was something we needed to bake into the groups that we planted it was an understanding from the start that we were going to plant something in say des moines iowa And there were going to be some guys who were going to have to kind of own it at first to get it off the ground, but that ultimately it was not going to survive if it was just Jim's workout or Barry's workout, that they were going to have to get other guys to come alongside them, bring their strengths to bear on the effort, and ultimately share that leadership, grow, and thrive. And then we've got, you know, I, I can go through example after example of stuff we planted in the early years, where we didn't understand that or we didn't do a good job of teaching it and the workout either ultimately didn't survive or took a really long time to get off the ground.
0: Yeah, and I guess I guess from there, when we talk about, um, you know, things are cooking, um, you know, I, I kind of think about the five-year mark, um, and I guess we got to couple of years passed out where things were really starting up to, I've, you know, I know I've, I've been around a while, so I'm going to say it was blowing my mind how fast we were, you know, expansion was, how quick the organization yeah. was growing, um, just how many, how many really quality guys we were picking up. That was the other thing that, um, you know, I'm always, like, it just marvels me that all these guys, um, super quality guys coming in and then just saying, yeah, I'll help volunteer, I'll help do this, I'll help do that. And I want to say we got to a, a few years ago, and then, you um, know, I'm going to ask you more of a personal question now. I know at that point you stepped back, and I think, um, you know, not with a bunch of fanfare or anything like that, you just said, um, um, it's time for me to step back. And I think maybe if you could share with the, the listeners a little bit about it, how that what played in that decision, because uh, Dred just handed off to Slaughter. And I, I know at that point you uh, – you were looking for somebody to hand off to, and it felt very much like you were ready to hand off at that point. Maybe you could share a little bit about what was going on with you at that point and what's happened since then.
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I look. Uh, I'd, I'd had a, a great run. Where the point at which I stepped down was probably really kind of seven and a half year mark, so kind of mid 2018. And I'd um, the the two years leading up to that, I'd really put a, a, a ton of effort. Um, into into f3 stuff that was um the period we started the grow Work program at the end of 2016 and then it really took off in in 2017 and and you know we initially i think in in early 2016 dave and i had been trying to be intentional about going down range on a quarterly basis to kind of newer um uh, newer regions and help them get past. There tends to be what we were seeing at the time was that a region would kind of get started and grow for about a year and then maybe kind of plateau. And that it was um, really helpful if we could get at, in there and very intentionally uh, do something that we we developed a curriculum called Grow School that was really around, um, you know, trying to provide that spark of like this is great. We're really proud of you guys now our call to you is to go give it away and uh and and really expand your impact it's great that you're here in new orleans and you guys are having impact but boy let's get up to the north shore of lake pontchartrain let's get over to baton rouge let's uh let's figure out how to get over into uh uh into the the mississippi coast you know that that kind of stuff and so we were doing that it was good and then we came up with this idea of boy what if we added a, a GORUCK event into that? That might really be a way to reinforce it. And what if we wove some of those leadership lessons that we're trying to teach into the actual things that we're doing during that overnight GORUCK event? And uh, found a good partner for it in uh, Cadre Danny, um, who was already an F3 guy and got what we were doing. And, and that took off, but it, it took a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of effort on my part. Uh, it was significant commitment. And I was, Um, trying to figure out a way to also kind of transition my career and get into kind of leadership development and and was initially trying to do that under a sort of quasi F3 banner um, through something we had called the Iron Project and just kind of hit a wall on that Um, and, uh, you know, felt like that was the right time when I hit that wall to to take that step back from leadership, um, you know, practice what we've been preaching about shared leadership, let other people uh, take that front man role i mean as it turned out the guy who succeeded me as weasel shaker was slaughter who's now the the nantan so obviously uh that was uh, that he was clearly the right guy uh for that role and and for me it was just a chance to kind of you know take a little step back and reassess and and really take care of my body as well because i uh, had spent you know at, at that point about 10 years starting at the campus of really Going hard and doing a lot of events um and a lot of high intensity you know sort of endurance runs relay races go work events marathons et cetera and uh and we're starting to really feel that uh some of the effects of that you you and I both have the uh the the back issues that uh, that will flare up and and that was uh, that was certainly in there as well so it was a good time to kind of take that step back i think
0: yeah and i think um you know i don't think anybody's ever told you thank you I, all these guys are listening to this today i don't think people understand um how much work i i kind of understand cuz i got i was involved in some of those projects but you were there's just so much time you spent um uh, making sure the trains are running i i like the trains are running on time the sales were set correctly um, yeah you know i i I, appre- I appreciate all that effort you did there i understand it's like i understand a fraction of it but i uh on behalf of the nation, I just want to make sure we get a thank you out there. Let's, oh, let's no, I, I appreciate sure. it. Yeah, let's transition a little bit because I think let's let's talk about kind of where you're at today because I think what um, you guys are probably still curious about is what are you doing now um, for your mam and for your work, and then maybe a little bit about if you could share some lessons after – I I like this kind of 10-year mark because we're coming up on 10 years with F3, so there's a lot of guys who maybe are listening to this that have been doing it for a year or two, and they don't understand what my back feels like after doing it for eight years, right? Um, (laughs) Maybe you can share a little bit about – let's talk a little bit about what you're working on now with work, and then let's talk a little bit about some of this stuff because I know you're doing these pop-up workouts and other things. Maybe you could talk about those two topics, kind of like what's going on now.
1: Yeah so uh, look i mean let, let me let me address that physical thing first actually cuz you know i i herniated a disc in my back back in in uh, 2000 actually when when my my oldest son was born a sh- short time after that and um, and that's been you know i had a, a microdiscectomy in 2004 it still flares up f3 with the the core strength i gained from that has helped stabilize my back a lot but the reality is i you know i'm 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 such yeah it's it's pretty suspect and and uh we we were joking earlier about having to do a long car drive and long car drives can be tough and so forth so I like literally for me it's now you know whereas in the early days I could get up um, I could have the alarm go off 30 minutes before I needed to be at the workout um, and kind of, you know, 15 minutes to get dressed and 15 minutes to drive there and, and I'm good. Now it's, you know, get up an hour or even sometimes an hour and 10 minutes early and go through an entire stretching routine and make sure I'm limbered up and make sure everything's, you know, stretched and strengthened to get ready. So it's just – that's just the reality of it. And and that, you know, that slows you down a little bit. That means you got to get up – get to bed a little bit earlier or – makes it a a tougher wake up in the morning. So I I typically, you know, I'm usually at three to four workouts a week, um, F3-wise, and then I mix in. Um, One of the things I did was I took a step back after I I stepped back from leadership where I was not forcing myself to go to as many workouts, um, in part because I needed to really rest my back and and stop running as much. And you just never know when you show up how much running you're going to have to do on a given day. And that actually Ended up motivating me to get back in a crew boat. Um, I had rowed in college, um, and I hadn't hadn't been in a crew boat in probably 25 years. But I found a local rowing club that that, that uh, put some boats out on the Catawba River uh, to the west of, of Charlotte, and got out there with the with uh, those folks at the Belmont Rowing Center uh, two summers ago, and. Um, spent the summer uh, getting back in a, a four-man boat and an eight-man boat and doing workouts and just kind of having fun and getting used to that again and then rowing some regattas in the fall of 19 um, at the head of the hooch and in, in Secret City. Um, and it was just it was fun. And I, I bought a, a rowing machine, an ergometer, a Concept 2, and I've got that on the front porch now. And so kind of mixed that in and have made that a part. This past year has been tough with COVID because we can't, Um, We can't put multi-person boats out on the water because of the social distancing requirements, but I'm still out there on the org a lot of days. And and that that dovetails, as it turns out, into some of the work stuff because a lot of the work I've been doing, once I transitioned and kind of separated my consulting practice from F3 per se, um, I started working a lot on kind of goal-setting frameworks. There's a very well-known um, framework that came out of Google and Silicon Valley called OKRs, um, which is kind of a hot hot topic for goal-setting and execution in the business world right now. And um, I've educated myself on, on OKRs. The, the acronym stands for Objectives and Key Results, and it's basically a way of focusing an organization's efforts on uh, basically, top-line objectives, and then being really disciplined and focused on measuring uh, measurable outcomes that support progress toward those um, toward those objectives. And you know, it's the kind of stuff that we were very naturally doing early in F3, and so it kind of dovetailed nicely with a lot of the the growth stuff that we'd done in F3, and so i've kind of you know gotten deep into uh, okr okay, world and and you know a lot of my practice it's kind of a mix of uh executive coaching and often transitioning from you know coaching a ceo into almost being sort of a fractional chief of staff in an organization where um you know you are usually growing pretty quickly and um you know a lot of times the top executives need some help kind of pulling everybody together and keeping everybody in alignment and moving uh, in the same direction uh, as, as kind of your top line corporate objectives, so I, I will sometimes implement OKR systems uh, for an entire company, or i 'll use the underlying principles of OKRs to try to get teams aligned and focused and, and executing on uh, on goals and I, it, you know I'm sure at amazon uh, you you encountered. Some of this terminology, or, or you guys were even, you know, you guys are so data, data intensive over there that it probably had some relevance to what you guys were doing as well. Yeah, and can you,
0: what's the name of your company now?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's uh, and this is where the rowing thing comes in. It's called CXN Advisory, and the CXN stands for coxswain, and the coxswain in, in, a, in a crew boat is the little uh, 120-pound guy who sits in the front of the boat and, and steers the boat. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of an of a inside joke because if you've ever met me, I'm nowhere near 120 pounds. Um, I, I could never uh, uh, be a coxswain. I was never a coxswain myself. But what I found in my work career is that as I consult to people, I actually function as that coxswain because I come into an enterprise and I'm I'm not pulling on the oars. That's what the executives are doing. That's what the leadership team is doing. That's what the people who support them are doing. Um, but it's my job to sit in that seat and be that coach in the boat and get them in alignment because the coxswain's job is to call a cadence, uh, to manage a race um, or a practice, and to, to serve as that coach in the boat to try to get you know the guy in the four seat uh, synced with the guy in the sixth seat who he's supposed to be following. And so, like, I, I got about halfway through one of my early engagements, and I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, I, I feel kind of weird about this. And I suddenly realized that's because you're a coxswain. You know, that's not your job to pull on the oars. It's, it's your job to get them pulling on the oars together so that the boat moves with swing and momentum. And, and ultimately, the, the secret of, if anybody who's ever been in a crew boat is going to understand this, if you have eight oarsmen in a boat, and they're not rowing together, if they're not putting their oars in the water at the same time, if they're not pulling with the same intensity, the boat won't balance. Like literally, you're trying to get the boat to balance in the water. Um, And if it's balanced and everybody's rowing together, you can move forward with incredible momentum. And in the best of all scenarios, the The sum of the parts of the individual rowers is actually exceeded by the momentum of the boat. We call that you've got swing in the boat when you when you get to that kind of nirvana state. But even most companies, most enterprises, tend to be really tippy um, in this regard and much like a crew boat, where some guys are pulling hard, other guys aren't pulling hard. Some guys are, are in sync with the stroke oarsmen. Other guys are way off cadence, and so it's my job to really come in and try to get that whole organization rowing together, in alignment, and and ultimately moving with swing. So that's that's kind of the that's kind of the pitch there on it.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna um, kind of joke for a second and say. Different than a crew boat, um, you know, in the business world, you got everybody's egos and whose team's doing the best and who's going to have the next promotion. There's all these yep. elements in a work environment that uh, Coxon would really probably help because I like that swing term, um, getting the boat going the right way and actually the sum of the parts being actually stronger um, when everybody, when the team's all, you know, firing on all cylinders. Um, I did another work analogy there. so.
1: Yeah, and and it, I mean, it, it's, but it's really this issue of, you and you've seen it, I've seen it, everybody who's listening to this this podcast has, has seen it in, in work environments when different people have different agendas, when different silos in a company are pulling in different directions, um, you're not going to move forward effectively. I've got a an analogy I often use with my clients where I try to explain, you know, if you start I mean, uh, this is going to be Charlotte-centric, so I apologize, but um, if, if, if uh, C-SPAN, if you and I start from Trade and Tryon in the center of downtown Charlotte, and we both walk north, and we're one degree of alignment off, at, you know, out of 360 degrees in a, in a circle, we're just one degree of alignment off. By the time we get to Greensboro, we're going to be five miles away from each other. Um, and I use that illustration just to kind of you know, and that's, for those who don't know North Carolina geography, Greensboro is about 80 or 90 miles north of Charlotte. And so the, the, the point being that really, really small, seemingly minor differences get magnified over time. And if you can't keep a team in alignment, you start going forward a week, a month, a quarter, um, all of a sudden they're off in completely different directions and your, your company is, can't, can't move forward with any momentum or
0: so. Yeah, yeah. Because all you're going to do is talk about the five uh, the five mile gap between you, rather than actually work. Right. On
1: exactly. It. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. gonna you're gonna fight about. Well, I thought you were going to be here with me. No, I I always had it that way.
0: You know. Yeah.
1: No, that doesn't yeah. work do. out. So.
0: Well, you know, uh, we're getting on top of our time. I guess here's yeah. the other thing I'd like you to do. Um. You know, like I said, founding member. You know, one of the founders of this organization. You're, you know, uh, obviously you've made it past. Well, you're at 10 years, but you were doing it before uh, the 10 years. <laughs> yeah, share share some truth nuggets that have kept you engaged. Um, I know you're still going to workouts three or four times a week, even with a bad back. You're still, yep. you know, getting after. Yep. Share some truth nuggets on, um, you know, obviously your M's super supportive because that's a lot of dirty T-shirts and a lot of dirty socks she's had to deal with. A lot of early wake ups, a lot you know or a lot of early bedtimes. Kind of talk about give us a couple of truth nuggets after ten years of if you could give these guys some advice of somebody who's just starting up three or maybe' been and doing it a year or so. How do they keep doing it in ten years <laughs> Well, that
1: I mean at first you know the, the dirty t-shirts and the dirty socks the key there is I I do my own laundry so uh, she she does not have to deal with that piece of it the uh, the, the workout stuff lives in a uh, a hamper on our off to the side of our front porch and uh, and I I deal with getting it washed but um uh look you mentioned the pop-up workouts earlier and I I made a you know we we went into lockdown here last March and I I had two of uh, I had all three of my kids at home with me um, one of whom was in college at the time, and, and, then, and then my daughter was a high school senior at the time, and my son, my youngest son, was in eighth grade, and um, we were all home together. But my daughter was out of the swim pool; um, she, you know, had been a very serious swimmer and training full time, and she couldn't swim. And my youngest son is a big uh, kind of martial arts guy, has his black belt in karate. He couldn't go to the karate studio, so we started working out together. Um, on really, you know, like a a five-day-a-week basis and, you know, very much F3 style and and I would lead a couple times a week and I would have each of them uh, lead one day as well. And they were coming up with all these creative ideas. And so I took one of those workouts that we developed during that time and did it, planted it um, on a Tuesday morning this fall after we'd gotten back into kind of F3 routine. As like, hey, here's a, a new format of a workout. In this case, I call it I call it T3, and it stands for uh, Tabata Track Tuesdays. And it's basically you you sit in the in the shoot on a on a track with with the guys, and you do a, a four minute Tabata set of a given exercise. And then you run a hot lap uh, on the track. So you're getting some speed and, and strength work in on the track. And you do that six times. And it takes about 45 minutes. And it's just a really good workout. And it's a pretty simple format. Um, and you can bring some gear in if you want to. You can, uh, you know, get in charge of calling what the Tabata set is. Or you can have, you know, kind of a wild card round where guys pick their own exercise for the Tabata. Um, and that. Like I planted it at a location um, that we didn't already have a workout. that's um, really close to downtown. Has a it's kind of up on a hill, so it's, from that track you've got a really great view of downtown. So it's kind of cool and in a little bit of an edgy part of town. And I got some guys to start coming out. And after six weeks, they were like, "No, we don't want you to stop this. You know, <laughs> we want it to be permanent." So that's now a permanent part of the schedule. And then over the holidays, I did another one that I called Holiday Burn that was, um, again, at a kind of underused, a little bit edgier location. Um, And the format there was um, you would show up, and it was a Sunday morning, 7 to 8 a.m., and um, you would get handed a sheet of paper with everything that you needed to do or needed to try to do in that hour, and you would cross it off as you went along. So I call it a a cross-it-off workout, and this is something that the kids and I did a lot. Um, And so it might be... You know, run this. You know, do go do this set of stairs up and down, and do ten burpees at the start, at the top. Um, you know, do twenty merkins, do a hundred jumping jacks, do two hundred jump ropes, etc. This whole list of stuff, and it's how much of that can you cross off in an hour? And the nice thing with that format is you can bring your two point You know, particularly you know, kind of that teenage thing, and they may not finish the whole thing, but they'd have, they have fun kind of mixing and matching and figuring out what they want to do, or a father and a, and a son or daughter can team up and try to do the whole thing themselves, you know, whatever, however that works out. And that also turned out to be really popular. So we did that every Sunday from the Sunday after Thanksgiving through this past Sunday. And, and that one I did shut down at the end, and, and we'll bring it back in, in the future. But um, just experimenting with different formats because – you know, you and I have talked about this, like, you show up at the same workout you've been going to for five years now, hey, we'll start with side straddle hops, and now we'll do some merkins, and now we'll go do this, and it's, like, some guy, I joke, but there's some guys that I work out with who cue, and, like, I know their patterns so well at this point, like, We'll be running, and I'm like, oh, I know where he's going now. Oh, I know what he's going to do now. And, and that's, there's a comfort in that, but there's also like, after a while, you don't want to get in that rut. You want to try something different. And so for me, there's been almost this kind of workout lab mentality of I want to be coming up with new ideas. I want to throw new stuff out there, see if guys jump onto it or not. And, and either way, it's just keeping it fresh and, and trying something different. So that's, that's kind of my approach after 10 years always be trying something different
0: yeah and i was going to say being it's a covid environment i'm going to give you a big knuckle bump because um you know being i've been bouncing around in the country um that's basically what i've been doing is i go someplace and it's always something new i never i don't know anybody's cadence anymore because i'm always going to different workouts the guys in philly they're getting used to me i'm getting used to them but um you know I, i love the idea of just Having the lab open and always coming up with something new. I also think uh, this is such a, you know, I hope guys look at 2020 and said, what an opportunity to work out with your kids all the time. Uh, hopefully they yeah uh, skip that opportunity and say, hey, my kids are going to be available to me. I'm um, take advantage of that. i you know, uh, hopefully they, if they didn't do that in 2020, hopefully they're doing that in 2021. So. For yeah,
1: I, uh, I I will I will say just just real quickly on that point, like, and I I absolutely feel for the guys who have younger kids and and the stress that's come from that because I I lived through that in you know ten years ago and and to be in lockdown and have really young kids, but but I on the flip side for me at the age my kids are at. Um, I'm never going to forget the time we had together last year. You don't, you get to a point where you're just driving them around all their stuff all the time and, and you kind of never see them and then they go off to college and stuff. And so to have everybody home and under one roof and to be able to, to share that time together was, um, you know, a, a really unexpected and, and a blessing in what was otherwise a, a really dark time for this, this country and, and our society in general. So if you ever,
0: you ever have that opportunity, don't pass it up. Yeah, and another one a knuckle bump on that one. I was going to ask you, did you pick one word for this year? I don't know. I haven't kept up with you the last couple of years. Are you still doing one word, or have you have you picked what word for this year?
1: No, I I, I can't say I, I do. Um, it, for me, it's more. It's it's in that spirit of. Like, it, for me, it's actually been more at the workouts, like, and this is, again, something I got from my daughter, uh, part of her training regimen is, like, I, I've got a couple of new exercises that I'm trying to work into the rotation with the F3 guys. And um, my, my big one is, um, you know, when swimmers come off the wall, when they're swimming backstroke, um, they, they go into a position they call streamline where you've got your hands over your head and you're kind of doing a dolphin kick uh, off the wall to try to get momentum, and it's it's more efficient than – the traditional backstroke kick, and you're allowed to kind of streamline like that for a certain portion of the, uh, the backstroke leg. And uh, so I, what I've been doing is I've been forcing guys to do their, um, do their flutter kicks uh, with their arms in a streamlined position above their heads instead of under their butts. And, and, and try, try it out, C-SPAN, you'll be surprised how much tougher flutter kicks become. So that's my, uh, my watchword for 2021 is flutter kicks and streamline. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna go with streamline and I'm gonna tell you I've done flutter kicks like that and I hate it. Um, so <laughs> it. brother, it was so good catching up with you. I um
1: Yeah man, I, I absolutely. Enjoyed being here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, so, uh,
1: uh real, real and, and real quick, if if folks um I, I am open Always to having a conversation with anyone, particularly professionally, any guys who are listening to this where they've got, um, they've got challenges in, the, in a business that they're leading or challenges within the unit where they work at their, their company, I'm always happy to get on the phone and, and, and talk through things um, uh, on, on my own time. So please feel free. My, my email is tim at cxnadvisory.com and would would love to hear from you, and I've got a, a number of f three guys that have helped out uh, over the years of doing this
0: and, and I'm gonna say brother so good hearing from you happy twenty twenty one you too congratulations on ten, congratulations on ten years. I, uh, you know I wasn't sure I wasn't sure how it was going to shake out a few times, but I'm gonna tell you i I'm still blown away that ten years what this has turned into so. Uh, thank you so much. Well, but
1: I, you know, I, I span. I, I need to kind of turn it around on you as well, because I, you know, I know when you left Fort Mill and you went up to Philadelphia, um, there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, you were you were determined to kind of plant up there, and um, there was a lot of uncertainty about how that was going to get done and whether it was going to be able to be effective or not. And and what you what you did there and how it immediately, you know, through has thrown off. Um, such a huge expansion for us in, in the Northeast that, uh, you know, I don't, I, we, we really had never had a, a strong plan in the Northeast and weren't sure how we were going to get that done. So I can't thank you enough for what you've done up there. And I know that there are, you know, it's got to be approaching thousands of guys in that area of the country who, uh, who owe you a, a huge debt of gratitude for everything you've done up there. So thank you.
0: Yeah, and I'll just tell everybody, I'll take the credit for it, but it's, everybody else is doing the work. So I, you know, um, I'm just going to give you an amen on that. Brother, it was great talking to you. Okay. Good. You too, man. Hey, great great talking to you. Have a uh, happy New Year, and I'll see you the next time I'm in Charlotte. Everybody else, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Bye-bye, guys.